um, the Lord gave them uh, cities of refuge where somebody could go if they had uh, committed a crime um, that was uh, like uh, like an involuntary manslaughter type thing where you drop a hammer on the job site and it hit somebody and killed them. You could go to a city of refuge and uh, there uh, uh, that family's avenger couldn't come get you. Uh, that was a safe place to go. So we see uh, Shechem used and set up as a city of refuge. Joshua 24, um, Joseph's remains were buried in Shechem. And uh, the last uh, part that we're just going to mention here is uh, 1 Kings 12. Shechem becomes the temporary capital for the northern kingdom when Israel was divided. So uh, it, it's uh, you'll see Shechem as we study through and as we move uh, on in the scripture, uh, you'll you'll continue to see uh, Shechem. So uh, let's pick up in verse one. It says, "Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her." His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. So uh, we see here in the first four verses, a lot happens. Now Dinah is it's described uh, here in verse 1 that she's the daughter of Leah and uh, the only known daughter of, of Jacob that's listed here. And, um, and uh, I imagine she, as the, the lone sister, was probably the one to keep as the testosterone would get going amongst brothers she would try to keep them in line a little bit, even though she might have been the younger one or whatever. Um, you know, when you're dealing with a bunch of guys and you got one girl there, uh, you know, they're usually going to say, hey, guys, knock it off or whatever. Who knows what her job was? My speculation is, is that she at some points was was um, uh, keeping her brothers uh, in line and keeping them from fighting each other and stuff like that. But who knows? And uh, most likely a teenager at this time, uh, between 15 and 18, somewhere around there. And um, so what we see here is that uh, she has an interest in seeing what's going on. She wants to meet the daughters of the land, it says, wants to see them. Uh, so she went out to, uh, to see them and uh, you know, we don't know if she had permission. We just know that she went out and uh, she was seeking out uh, the, the daughters of the land. Uh, my inclination is to believe that she went on her own. It was very dangerous uh, for a young lady in those days just to go out by themselves. They would often need somebody to go with them as some sort of security, as we'll see here. So uh, it's in the land of Canaan, which is full of pagans. And uh, so she is going out from her her father's household and going into a land of, of pagans. And, and uh, we don't know her intentions. It seems as though she wants to go see the daughters of the land. Uh, we don't know uh, the backstory behind it. Was she trying to learn uh, different things about their culture to try to change the way she conducted her life? We don't know. There, there's uh, some uh, stuff there that, that we would... Um, be careful to try to color in. But what we do see here, and and when the scripture, I've, I know I've said this before, remains silent, we uh, can remain silent. We don't have to try to figure that out. But we do do know here that she was enticed, so she wanted to go out and, and see what was going on. And so she might or might not have had 
completely pure intentions. We don't know uh, for sure, but um, we uh, one thing that we can take from this is that we must be careful of our motives and our interaction uh, with others. Who are we going to expose our lives to, our uh, hearts and our minds to? Uh, what are we go getting into? You know, she was going into an unknown. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to her going and as a young lady going out there, it seems as though she might have been going out to, to try to make some friends, um, which in and of itself doesn't seem wrong. But uh, when you're talking about uh, a pagan influence on her, uh, she might be better off just hanging out with mom and, and uh, being around uh, the camp where they're at than to be exposed to the pagan world around her. So we see that as she goes out, um, there, uh, you know, she is uh, something bad happens to her. So, um, you know, it was uh, when when what we see here happens is when she gets out there, there's uh, a man named Shechem, and he's the son of Hamor. Now, Hamor is a chief within the Hittites, and uh, Shechem himself would be uh, considered a prince in the country, like it says here. So uh, uh, somebody who had some power and some influence. And so when he, he sees her, uh, there he, he immediately, from what we understand, we don't know how long this interaction took place and you know what had happened. But based on what we see, it says that he saw her and he took her and laid with her and violated her. So uh, he saw her and, and without the commentary, uh, we just have to look at the words and, and what's here and, and uh, see you know, what else comes from uh, as uh, these specific uh, words and how they're used and, and uh, let that be uh, the thing that's that's coloring in or filling in the blanks uh, for us. So without a lot of commentary, you know, what else is playing into the situation? We don't really know. But uh, we can see here that uh, when he meets with her, that uh, based on the word that is used here, it says that uh, here it says that he violated her. The King James version said he defiled her. Uh, the English Standard Version says humiliated. The new uh, the NASB uh, says the New American Standard Bible says that he raped her. Um, and uh, so the the word anah is the the Hebrew word that was used, and uh, it's spelled. A-N-A, -A, but it's, it's, it's pronounced A-W-N-A-W, uh, ana, and uh, it means to afflict, to humble, or to force. Uh, so as we're looking at this, this is not a, um, a you know, a, a I guess, a situation that any of us would want to see happen. And we'll see here uh, as we look that if, if you just look at the words themselves, it says that he saw her, he took her and laid with her, and violated her. Um, this is uh, not necessarily the the makings of a great love story, you know. Um, uh, we we don't know, uh, you know, how that happened. Uh, we we don't we don't know a lot of the uh, intricacies, and not and we don't necessarily need to know. But we do know that the scripture says that she was violated. And when you look at different uh, different translations, when you you know go to the King James, it says defiled. Uh, being defiled is a bad thing. You know, so and, and it says that it was on his part to her, something that he did to her. And if we look into that root word, the word that's used there uh, in the meanings behind it, it can also mean to browbeat. Uh, so so that's quite a 
quite a when you start put, putting that puzzle together using uh, these the meanings and uh, the uh, interpretations of those words, uh, it, it none of it comes together good. And but it comes where where he starts saying that uh, you know that he it says here that he loved her uh, and he spoke kindly to her uh, afterward. You know, after he had got what he wanted, you know, he didn't want to lose her is is what we can see here that, you know, this isn't this isn't true love that that uh, somebody would force themselves upon somebody else. And then and uh, but uh, he then grows in, uh, infatuated with her and and wants her to be his wife. And uh, he uh, you know, just just to think that his initial um, interaction with her was uh, to force himself immediately upon her and, and to violate her. That's uh, quite a, a sinful and wicked thing, and um, you know that that's just what it is. It's lust, that wickedness, that rape that had happened. And um, you know he saw something, and in, in, in this case, somebody that he wanted, and he took it by force. Um, you know, uh, probably not used to hearing the word no. Um, maybe from dad or, uh, you know, in the pagan society could have been other ladies there, uh, who knows, but there was something about her that, uh, after this took place that he wants her now as wife, you know, if, uh, uh, when, when we can consider, uh, where, where it says that his soul was strongly attacked, attached to Dinah, you know, there's, there's a deep fleshly desire for her. Um, it's not a deep rooted love. Uh, but more of a lusting, and uh, that that he uh, was willing to do what he wanted uh, with her to have his way with her, rather than uh, to go about it the right way and get to know her maybe first. Uh, you know those things. So this relationship, if you want to call it that, wasn't exactly starting on the right foot. And um, you know, when you consider uh, the what he did to this young lady, this pure young lady, and uh, that that purity. Uh, that he took from her. Now, uh, it wasn't based on the words we see here that, that that she was violated. It wasn't something that she was a part of. And, and that word ana, uh, <clears throat> looking at uh, how that word is used, it's as she was forced into this. And, <coughs> excuse me, now uh, as we progress through, when we get to, to verse 5, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's, uh, it takes an even more uh, disturbing uh, twist as things go along. I'm a father of three daughters. And uh, I can say that if uh, any relationship had started this way, uh, the place you're probably going to find me uh, wouldn't be in freedom. <laughs> you know, I'm probably, you're probably going to have to talk to me through a phone. Um, and uh, and that's, a, that's about it. And a plexiglass uh, between you and me, and and uh, that's just how it is. You know, if I if I had found that out, um, I I don't know. I can't tell you what would happen to the individual, but uh, I most likely uh, would end up being in trouble with the law. I have three daughters, and I would do anything to uh, protect their purity and uh, their innocence, uh, not just physically. Uh, uh, you know, the the innocence of their minds and their hearts also. Uh, there's enough in this world that that uh, they are already exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis. On a, with a situation like this, uh, somebody's bound to never be the same, never uh, have a normal relationship with this type of person. So, uh, a a disturbing 
first encounter is what we just uh, just witnessed. And this man is so impressed with her that now he wants to make her his wife. And we see in verse 5, it says, And Jacob heard that he had defiled uh, Dinah his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And when the men uh, and the men grieved and were very angry because he had done this disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which not ought not to be done. So uh, we see as this is developing, people are not happy, and rightfully so. Um, you know what was done to Dinah, rape, uh, should grieve them and make them angry. Now it says here that Jacob held his peace until his sons were around. Uh, I can say that there are things that should be considered a family emergency. Uh, in my book, when something like this should happen, uh, if uh, you know, God forbid that that would ever happen, uh, we're having a family meeting immediately. You know, I'm going to grab the guys from the field. I'm going to send for somebody. Go get your go get those guys and bring them back to me. Like something massive has happened here. She uh, is is uh, now here in 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 his presence and he finds this out. And um, he uh, rather than send for them or anything, he just he holds his peace. Um, you know, he didn't. And what we'll see here is there's a complete loss of control of the situation uh, for Jacob. And unfortunately, we we studied that uh, the Lord told him that his name was going to change, but there's still growth that needs to happen in, jo in Jacob's life. Uh, this is something that I can honestly say that it's not something that people just sit there and, and plan out. Okay, so in the event that this happens, this is what we're going to do. You know, this is a wow. You know, this just happened. But when something like that happens and you know that it's from the neighbors that you're kind of dwelling amongst, that's when you grab your boys and you say, everybody here now together, because uh, it's going to get their attention. And uh, this is just my opinion on it. This is the way uh, I could think of that, that we would get everybody here. So uh, he, he's um, keeping this to himself. And it says that Hamor uh, approached Jacob, you know, father to father. And uh, Jacob should have stood up for his daughter right there and protected her. Uh, you know, the uh, when he, when he's there, I'm not so sure that I'm shaking his hand and greeting him with the current customs of the day when I find out what's happening. And uh, what we find out is as he's holding his peace, and here come Hamor and Shechem, the brothers find out. And uh, when the brothers find out, uh, they're very grieved. Uh, they were grieved and very angry. And I wonder uh, that, uh, you know, as uh, I'm a big brother myself, I have a younger sister, and um, I, I even even uh, my older sister had something uh, been made known to me, uh, which uh, you know could could easily happen in this world. Uh, I, it's it's time to go. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, especially as as an adult, uh, there uh, have been times in my life where. I wasn't necessarily big enough or strong enough to do what I would have wanted to do back then. And not that I'm this big imposing figure now, but I've learned a thing or two over time. And, uh, uh, you know, having some uh, uh, some aids with me to help uh, might, might uh, you know, level the playing field. 
Um, but uh, what we see here is that these guys uh, are very grieved and very angry. Uh, that grief that comes into play when we know somebody has been has been wronged, right? And uh, no doubt with these guys saying, "Had we been here, this wouldn't have happened." You know, we we maybe there was the we should have been there with her. We shouldn't have left her alone. We should have taken. Well, remember we told her she couldn't come with us. Who knows what was happening in the story? But we know that there's great grief. And there's great anger that these guys are dealing with. And, uh, you know, there there is a righteous anger. There is uh, a time for us to be angered that that uh, is right. And um, where we see here that it says at the end of verse 7, a thing which ought not uh, to be done. That, that shouldn't happen. You know, that woman should not, and that young lady should have never experienced what she experienced. You know that that should have been uh, something that uh, that she uh, had a loving encounter with her husband on the wedding night, as it's supposed to be, uh, specifically in her culture. You know that, but this guy uh, went about things based on his culture and what his desires were, uh, what he needed, needed, uh, and what he wanted. And uh, the based on the words we see here, forced her into this situation. And uh, it's a tragic thing here. And um, the the boys here, I, I you can see, uh, kind of read between the lines because they're grieved, they're angry, and this shouldn't have been done. Based on what we see uh, that, that happens here uh, in verse 13 when we get there, my opinion is, is that there were some familiar head nods. There are some looks that were going between the brothers of we're, we're, something's going to happen. You know, we we may be peaceful, we may be nice here, but but the, I think I think there were some head nods, there were some looks that everybody kind of understood. They were on the same page, and uh, what we see here in verse eight it says, "But Hamor uh, spoke to them." So they're they're angry and. Uh, there's a disgraceful thing that had happened. So Hamor trying to take control of everything. Uh, and uh, he says in verse uh, in verse 8, it says, But Hamor spoke with him, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. And take our daughters to yourself. So uh, you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it. And acquire possessions for yourself. Hamor, I got news for you, buddy. If your soul longed for her, and uh, you know, with a sexual pleasure and force himself upon Dinah, he doesn't deserve her. You know, here he is. He's making a pitch to her dad and and trying to gain favor to her brothers and and everything. And and he doesn't deserve this woman. And uh, based on uh, what had just happened, and and he comes and and he's uh, he's so he says that oh you know so long for yeah okay well look at how things started bud uh, you know and, and uh, it, things didn't start off the way they should have it and he says please give her to him as wife so he had already gone things about uh, about things the wrong way and I know I I just said but there should have been a proper intimacy between husband and wife on their marriage night, that, that she had been uh, preserved, 
and she had preserved her herself for, and uh, that didn't get to happen in her life. That that wasn't something that that she was able to experience. That was taken from her uh, by this by this young man. And so Hamar uh, tries to start winning them over with bribes. And he's like, hey, why don't we just start an exchange here? You give your your daughters to us, we'll give you our daughters, and we can just start uh, you know, co-mingling. You can dwell with us. Uh, you can trade in the land and acquire possessions. And, you know, he's coming forward with a get-rich-quick uh, you know, scheme. Um, is That's the way I see it when I read it. You know, hey, yeah, I know my son just defiled your daughter, but why don't we just look at it this way as a business deal? Why don't we just incorporate this into the deal? You give us your daughters, we'll give you our daughters, and, and, and we'll go from there. Now, if you didn't have the verses in verses 20, uh, 21, 22, um, and 23, uh, it would seem that this was uh, maybe a man that didn't fully understand what's going on. You know, you might be able to think that, okay, maybe he's not so much into a scheme, but when we see 21, 22, and 23, uh, he very much is into his own scheme also. So when we get there, we'll, we'll cover that. So uh, he's, he's trying to take control of the situation. Verse 11. Now here's uh, Shechem, and uh, it says, Then Shechem, uh, Shechem, <laughs> uh, then Shechem, said to her father and her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift and I will give according to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as a wife. Now, uh, the way I look at it is the spoiled rapist is now speaking up. Uh, and and he's trying to say, hey, you know, I'm here, and, you know, I'm trying to find favor in your eyes. I'll give you whatever you want. Just give me Dinah. I just, I, you know, I, he, he had now fallen in lust with her, and, uh, and he wants to have her as wife now. He wants to move forward in the relationship. And, you know, he wants her, but um, there's no record of her consenting to this uh, and to her, you know, wanting to even go back. Uh, now, if you look at, at remember when Isaac uh, had sent his servant uh, to, um, Back to find his uh, a bride for Isaac uh, for um, uh, for no sorry when Abraham sent um, uh, his servant to find an, uh, a bride for Isaac in Rebecca uh, she was even asked by Laban you know do you, do you want to go with him and and she said yes I'll go you know there we don't have any words of Dinah it's, it's if you if you consider the existence of Dinah it's 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 quite a sad one because this chapter is the last time she's mentioned. She's mentioned that she came into the world, and uh, then we find out this happens to her, and uh, you know, whatever as we study through this chapter, and then that's it. You know, there isn't there isn't anything more um, addressed from Dinah, so it's it's quite a sad uh, thing to consider as things are going here. But here we see a man trying to get uh, her dad and her brother trying to buy them off. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't uncommon in those days for somebody to, to pay a dowry or anything. But this dowry is really, he's, he's trying to also cover up what he did. So verse 13 says, But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father and spoke deceitfully. So uh, we see that Hamor, you know, he's trying to do his thing. Shechem's trying to do his thing uh, to try to get him to get past any, uh, the, the, uh, the um, deep-rooted, uh, what the, the anguish that they're dealing with and the anger that they're dealing with, uh, because it says that they were they were upset that she was defiled, right? 
And uh, so here we see their response. And they didn't have time to like huddle up. Okay, these guys uh, come up with this plan all on the fly right here. It says, but the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, uh, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give you give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters with us, uh, daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. So the sons of uh, Jacob are up to their own scheming, and it says here that they spoke deceitfully because uh, he had defiled Dinah, their sister, the only daughter that's that's mentioned. So they had no doubt learned a thing or two from dad and from their grandfather, and uh, who uh, were both quick schemers, quick thinkers, and able to think up plans. So they come up with this plan, and you know, uh, as we consider uh, what what they had picked up from Jacob and from Laban, uh, they had. Uh, it, there's a reminder for us that those that are within our sphere of influence in life are watching and they they will follow. Uh, I've shared a couple funny stories of things my kids have said or or done. You know, when uh, they start repeating things I was saying years ago, uh, not outright swearing, but using replacement words, you know, uh, and uh, and when I'm slamming on the brakes and Ashley repeats it and, uh, you know, freaking egg, she says, you know, and, and, and she's saying that, you know, and, and that's, and I, and I look at Jen and I'm like, and we're dying laughing, but they're listening, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, be inappropriate in what I'm saying here or anything. Um, I think I did that pretty PG or whatever, but, uh, you guys get the point, right? Kids are watching, they're studying what we're doing. They hear what we say and whether we know it or not, they're processing everything just like we do. We do it as adults. It's just that you know we're a little more aware of it. Um, but these kids, they're watching, and these guys had watched their dad. They had watched their their uh, their grandfather, and we know that there was a great deal of of mourning happening in their lives, and uh, you know they're already dealing uh, with with quite a bit. And uh, you know these these guys uh, here are are in grieving. They're very angry. Uh, but they're able to bring that all in during this little meeting with Hamor and Shechem. They come up with this plan, uh, and uh, it's a very, very uh, clever plan. Uh, and uh, so they tell Shechem and Hamor that they need to be circumcised. They and all their men, all their people. And uh, then we will give our daughters and take yours to us. We'll dwell with you and become one people. And then they, they end it uh, like uh, any type of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, these, this type of salesman would do. Better do it now or she's gone, right? How many times have you been watching on TV uh, or, you know, you hear the local jingle here, but, you know, should have bought it when I saw it, right? You know, those types of things. So they're like, you, you know, we're not, this deal doesn't stand for long. You're either doing this or not. If you're not going to do it, we're going to take our daughter and move forward. 
Like, are you guys in or not? Like, this is not much time. This is a, you need to make the decision right now. And uh, as they, uh, you know, give them this ultimatum, uh, they, uh, we see here that in verse 18, it says in their words, pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. This is interesting in verse 19. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. So Hamor and Shechem like what they hear. They don't delay. They're ready to go. And uh, this interesting word here says that he's more honorable. Um, you know, he had just committed rape and, and uh, you know, how honorable is the household of his father? How honorable are they? You know, were they tyrants within their land? I don't know. But it says here that he's more honorable. So if he's more honorable, I would say that the standards are quite low and it's not really a family that I'd want to be around uh, when you're talking about a man like this. And so there, uh, the, the brothers present this plan and uh, Hamor and Shechem couldn't leave fast enough. And they're ready to move on. And uh, they, verse 20 says, And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. So here we go. Remember I mentioned 21, 22, and 23? For indeed the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Verse 22, only on this condition uh, will the men consent to dwell with us uh, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Here, here's the punchline, verse 23. Will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent with them and they will dwell with us. That's these guys here, you know, they, they go straight to, it says they went to the, the gate of their city. So they're going to the leaders within the community. That's where governing would take place uh, back in those days. Uh, the, the city gate is where uh, the leaders would meet and they would be uh, conducting uh, government, you know, an official business. And uh, so they go and they, they want to talk to the leaders there and they, they make their, their pitch and they start saying, by saying these men are at peace with us. I, uh, I think of, um, was it Al that was uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor's friend there? And he'd look at him and say, I don't think so, Tim. You know, I, I, you know, these men are at peace with us. They're not. They've given the impression that they are. But as we're going to see as we study through here, if you're not familiar with this, spoiler alert, they are very much not at peace with you. So he, he this, this, this approach of, hey, you know, we got them. You know, and, and but all we got to do, so we'll see here. So, you know, it takes some buy-in um, uh, for uh, someone to commit to something like adult circumcision. This is, you know, just that I'm not trying to be blunt or anything, but, you know, uh, we're not talking about an ear piercing here. Uh, we're talking about a painful procedure. Uh, Natalie turned 14 on Monday, and uh, she went and got her ears pierced, and uh, she's tried it a couple times uh, in life, but, uh, you know, we've always, you know, it was, whether it was the, uh, the different metals or whatever, she went and got her ears pierced. And the funny thing was, is she said after she got done with the ear piercing was it hurt more when she's pushing the pen into her ear than it did when the actual ear piercings happened. Okay. So you're talking about males, uh, affecting their male parts here. Uh, this is not something that anybody's going to be in a hurry to jump in and be like, Hey, yeah, let's go do it. You know, it's not, 
Uh, when I was a kid, uh, it became very popular to get earrings, to have a rat tail. My, my grandfather hated them both, and he used to give me a hard time about them. But, but those were the little fads, you know, that we go through fads and some of those things are popular. This would not have been one of them, you know. So when they are coming and, and approaching these guys, uh, you, this is a long healing process. And, you know, the, the, these guys are smart salesmen. They start with anybody who's done sales, right? You have to make a, an appealing a sales pitch to them saying, hey, these guys are at peace with us. We can have their son, their their daughters, and we can co co mingle, and we can become you know one people and everything. You're gonna have to do this, but we're gonna get everything they own afterward. Okay, so there's a little bit of buy-in, but this is so much better. You see, you see the outline of the sale that just happened here. So um, these these guys, you know, they they fed fed them fed them all the good stuff, and uh, then they say, therefore, let them. Uh, dwell in the land and and trade in it. So they, like I said, they start by talking about you know wives and everything. And these guys are like, great, hey, you know, who are the new ladies that are coming in? All the servants and and uh, whatever else. And and uh, so uh, we're we're gonna make some exchanges and and uh, and you know they just it, it, as they say this, I I can't help but wonder if they they went through it quickly. Or, you know, they, the way they described it is like, hey, man, this isn't really that bad. We'll go in, we'll deal with this. But the, the outcome, you know, whenever, whenever you want somebody to buy something, you have to, you have to find out what their needs are and then find a way to meet that need, right? And, and then once you, you've, you, you have to tie up the deal, right? So, so these guys are, are now uh, in a spot where they've got everybody's attention. And, you know, on this one condition, we all have to go get circumcised. That's not a, a, an easy thing. But they drive home the sales pitch by saying, yeah, but we're, you know, will not their livestock, their property and every animal of theirs be ours? Like, guys, you got to look, look at the big picture, right? Uh, look at, look at, uh, you know, things in the long run where we're, we're going to make out really well in this deal. So that when they're talking to, uh, to Jacob and they're talking to his sons, they're just talking about, you know, yeah, you can come and dwell. But when they go back, they're saying, hey, we're going to get everything they own. This is a really great deal for us. You know, so they, they're going back and, you know, they, they're trying to they're in the middle here where they're, they're trying to appease Jacob and his sons. And then they come back and they're trying to uh, get everybody to go along with their plan here. So they, they try to appease them also by saying, hey, we're, we're going to make out better in this deal. So so why don't we all go about and do it? They're good salesmen. Because look at 24, and all who uh, and all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamor and uh, Shechem his son. Every male was circumcised. All who went uh, out of the gate of his city. So they are great salesmen, and it says that every male was circumcised. They got their buy-in of the city leaders, and uh, they found their right target audience, and were successful in their mission to get everybody. On board, so everybody went through this very painful process. This wasn't like they had numbing agents and you know all these things. I mean, you know, I, I don't even want to get into how it might have been done. Sharp rocks, knives, uh, whatever. Uh, it's just not pleasant either way. You know, there's really no pleasant way to think about this. But they got everybody to do it, and they got everybody on board. Uh, and uh, the city leaders left, and it spreads uh, spread through. Uh, all of the land of Shechem, and, and everybody is now uh, ready to go, and they do it. Now, uh, 25 is where we see 
the scheme and the deceitful plan of Jacob's sons come in. Verse 25 says, Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, a lot of pain, uh, that two sons of uh, Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, and their donkeys. What was in the city and what was in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. So now the brutal plan of, uh, of Jacob's sons uh, comes to fruition. Simeon and Levi, both the full brothers of Dinah uh, through uh, Leah, they both take their sword. They went in to Shechem and wiped out all the males. Wiped them all out. Hamor, Shechem, they're all, they're all physically incapacitated. They're swollen. Uh, Might have been some infection happening. I mean, these guys are totally uh, just down for the count. They can't move. Like I said, very why a very a very smart plan, uh, but uh, also very brutal and very wicked plan. And they carry it out, and they come in and they slaughter all the men, and uh, they they take all the guys out, and then they steal everything, and uh, you know they um, plunder the city. Now, uh, where it says in twenty seven. Uh, the sons of Jacob came upon the slain. It, do, it doesn't just say those two. Who knows if the other ones came upon, like came in after those guys uh, had had actually committed uh, taking out and 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 killing everybody. That all of them came for the plunder. We don't know, but it says that that uh, the sons of Jacob there. So whether it's just Simeon and Levi, or if the other ones after that came on. Uh, seen and and then uh, partook. We don't know, but it just says that they uh, came and they plundered the city. They took everything and every one that was left over because their sister had been defiled. You know, this is uh, very much the wrong way to do these things. Uh, they had punished every male for the sin of one. Uh, you know, two if you count Hamor. You know, Hamor in there. Uh, it took matters into their own hands. And, uh, you know, when they're all sore and they can't move, uh, they um, implemented their very smart strategy. And uh, they they did what they were they had planned to do. And uh, it doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do. And they seem to have uh, completely hid the plan from their father at first. And uh, they went and they carry out what they're doing. And uh, being that only Simeon and Levi were the names listed there uh, as the ones that went in and killed. We don't know if the other ones jumped on board later or not. Uh, but interestingly, uh, they go and they take everything. And and then it says they took every one, verse 29, their little ones and wives taken captive, plundered their homes. You know, this was this was quite a quite a happening. Uh, this wasn't just something little. They had their own plan. They carried it out. Now, when we consider what, you know, Jacob, uh, when he found out about this, he waited for his son. We talked about this. He waited for his sons. 
And, uh, you know, this was should have been something that he discussed with them uh, before uh, Hamor and Shechem uh, were there. But what we see is that Hamor and Shechem are there and they have a discussion. Like I said, there should have been an emergency meeting, not, oh, hey, when they get back in from the field. So he, he lost that, that, that type of control with his sons, the ability to say, hey, guys, this happened. This is the way we're going to move forward with it as the leader of that family. His sons made themselves the leaders, and they went out about and did their own thing. So let's look at verse 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed my household and I, he's getting very dramatic about himself here. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot, like a prostitute? You know, if you look at the words of Jacob here, Jacob had been promised by the Lord several times that God was going to use him and that his descendants uh, would be as the sand of the sea, uh, that he was, uh, he, was, uh, he was inheriting the Abrahamic covenant, right? So he already knew those promises that were coming from the Lord. So when he's going here and he's saying, you've made me obnoxious among all these people here, what he's saying is his focus is only on himself. And, and, and he gets into this, this confrontation with his sons, and his sons say, basically, well, you weren't doing anything about it. Should he treat her like a harlot? I mean, there's still very much wrong with the household of Jacob. There's a lot going on here. You know, Jacob seemed more concerned that others might want to, uh, you know, want to kill him. And, you know, he, rather than address what they had done, the slaughter and the pillage, he, he's basically like, look how this is going to affect me now. That, that was his approach. And, and he's, we see here that he's scared of retaliation. And I shall be destroyed, my household and I, me, my, I. You know, this is all going to be uh, about me. And, uh, you know, he, they had taken matters into their own hands and did what they wanted to. And Jacob didn't seem to be addressing it at all. And, you know, he's uh, we see here that he's not ex exactly the strongest leader. And, you know, his daughter is wandering alone. We don't know how. I don't imagine. I can tell you now, my kids learned at a very young age. Now, this is, you know, most likely, you know, 15 to 18 year old young woman. Because he was only in that land for 20 years with Laban, and you know they're moving forward. And we don't know all the times that sometimes, uh, you know, how long it took and how long they were there and everything. But, um, but my kids knew, and they learned very quickly. Don't you ever leave our side when we're in a store, ever. You know, because they would like to do those things as kids, right? They they'd get away from us and they go hide in the clothes racks. Really funny really frightening at the same time when they're not in the clothes rack you think they're in, you know, and then eventually you got to pull them out. Hey, I know. See, they're laughing about it right now. Yeah. And, uh, it's what it is. And we had to tell them you cannot leave my site. You know, we didn't freak them out as we're saying it, but they understood. I don't, I can't leave mom and dad because there, there was, there was something that could happen. They didn't, we didn't get into the specifics of, of what could happen. But they learned really fast. No, it, you, we don't play that game. I know you love playing hide and seek. This is not the proper spot for it. Although there's awesome hiding spots all over the place. I get it. We don't do that game here. Because they knew that we would go into instant panic when we can't find them. And when we go into instant panic and find them, 
butts get hit, right? And that's just what it was because they knew the rule. Okay, so uh, whatever it was, you know, this woman is young lady is out by herself and she's wandering alone and she should be in, in this world. We should be. Unfortunately, um, we can't because we have to take safety in mind. But that's not how look at this fallen world and in the state that it's in, you know, that, that we can't go for a walk and not worry about those things. That's awful. She just wants to go out and based on, you know, if you look at it from a pure lens, she wants to go out and make some friends. Maybe that was the, uh, we, don't, we don't know. Maybe she wanted to learn the culture. We, we don't know those things. But ultimately, she should have been able to go out there without fearing, uh, you know, any type of uh, sexual assault for, to happen to her. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't know what it was, but uh, we know here that, you know, as Jacob uh, is the, the leader of the family, his daughter is off and, and unattended, uh, no no security with her or anything, uh, and unfortunately uh, it ends uh, with something that should never happen to her, happening to her. And we know that his sons were scheming a murderous plan without him knowing. Uh, maybe address this with them. Sit down and have a conversation. Hey guys, I know you might be angry. We don't. They might have, but they might have already had their minds made up. Who knows? He's the leader of the family, though. That's how it works. Right? That's how things work. You know, the leaders are held accountable when something like, when that whole team goes and does that, you know, whole team, the whole family, the leader is the one that's, wait a minute, who, who's, who, where's your dad? Right? I remember Chuck Smith sharing a, um, a story and there was this kid that they had been having behavioral problems with. And uh, it was a summer camp, I think. And uh, this kid was just always, always in trouble. And, um, you know, they uh, they came to Chuck and they're like, we want to send this kid out of here. We're tired of dealing with him. He's just disrupting everybody. Uh, he's just he's just being a problem. And, and so Chuck had them bring uh, the young man into, into him and has the kids sit down and they just start talking about the kid's home life. You know, what's it like at home? And he realizes this kid's life is in complete disarray at home. He doesn't have a leadership uh, role, any type of role uh, model in his life. He didn't have a dad. And uh, and he's frustrated and he's mad. And Chuck starts, starts taking him under his wing. And he said that as he's taking this kid under his wing and he's acting as a spiritual father of this kid, his, his behavior just changed just like that. When we're in tune to what's happening, we should have control over those that we're responsible for, right? These are the children of his household. And these guys go out and they, they take matters into their own hands. Uh, so we see that he's not necessarily the strongest family leader. And we see in their response, they, they say here, should he, he treat our sister like a harlot? Now, uh, I, I, interesting note that David Guzik uh, had had made that I wanted to share. It says, uh, they felt justified because the men of Shechem treated Dinah, uh, their sister, as a prostitute, but they prostituted the sign of God's covenant for their own violent purpose. Do you see what happened? See what, see what, uh, that's, that's a very interesting commentary. You know, this is, uh, you know, here they are talking about, you know, well, they used our daughter. You know, they, they, here they are, Hamor and Shechem, they're talking and you're just letting them do this. Yet the very covenant, that special thing between them and God, Israel's uh, people and, and God, 
they use that for their own wicked scheme and their own wicked uh, plan. They prostituted it to get to what they wanted. And, and uh, that's an interesting take on that, that they had justified uh, what they did uh, because of you know how they treated uh, Dinah, but they themselves prostituted the sign of God's covenant for their own violent purpose. That's some uh, some spiritual insight there. That as we're looking at this, to understand where their hearts were, that they were willing to use spirituality right uh, to their advantage. That's a dangerous thing. We've heard of pastors doing that, right? We've heard of other people in leadership doing that so that they would benefit. Whatever the outcome was, whether it's this murderous, you know, brutal plan that these guys had or whether it's just to line their own pockets and make themselves wealthy, rich, whatever it is, using uh, God's covenant, using God's word, using, uh, you know, spiritual uh, things and, you know, uh, things of the Lord to get something to gain um, personally uh, is wicked. It's wrong. So there's a lot of uh, things for us to take from this passage. Uh, speaking uh, of as as parents or those that are in charge of little ones, we need to pay very close attention to our children. You know that's you know when we have a baby dedication up here, my uh, my uh, I've, I've been asked several times by friends or family, do you guys baptize you know, kids at your church? And I tell them, no, but, you know, I explain to them, no, biblical baptism is when somebody has repented from their sins and they've come to the point where they realize that, that, that they need to um, make a profession of faith and they need a savior. And once they've accepted Christ as their savior, they uh, carry out this outward expression of the inward change in their life. And I, you guys know all this and, and they go through the process of being baptized here at this church. Uh, we'll uh, submerge them. Uh, we could sprinkle them. You know, it, it doesn't doesn't matter uh, that that baptism. It's it's the it's the uh, when you look biblically, they take them to a body of water and and baptize them. You know, if somebody's in a hospital bed and you can't drag them out, you sprinkle them with water. You know, it's that it's that expression of faith that's the important thing. That's the the public declar- declaration of newness in Christ. That's the important thing. So when People have asked me that I, because, like I said, a, a lot of my family, uh, we came up uh, in a very strong Catholic background. So there's a baby, baby baptisms, right? And no, we do baby dedications here. And that's us as a church. And we're saying that we are, we are going to look after those children. You know, whether they're blood children of ours or not, it's our responsibility to help those parents, and that's what we're saying as a church. We're actually dedicating our. I love how Will has shared this over the years. We're dedicating ourselves to that child and to that family that we are going to help. Hey, your mom and dad said not to do this or that. You shouldn't be doing that. You need to honor your father and your mother. That's that's part of it, right? The, so for all of us, that that we would pay attention, close attention to those young ones that are here. Uh, and uh, that especially in today's world, whether they're inside these walls or not, you know, they uh, considering uh, that outside these walls, hopefully never inside here, but uh, know that we do have uh, people that watch the doors for a reason. We've had to drag people out of here before because they were a threat to the Bible study. We've had people go through when that wall right there that has the, the blinds, 
when that was moved up here a little bit and church was turned a little bit, we had a lady go in there. I and it was transparent that uh, two-way glass where you can't see through, but you know it was nursing mothers. And she bursts her way in there. I can see you, but you can't see me. I mean, there's been some things that have happened, you know, here in the middle of services or in uh, a men's study um, that, that have happened. People have had to be escorted out of out of here. You know, we take it very seriously that people would learn here safely and that they would be in the nursery and upstairs and they, they are here and they're safe. It's our responsibility. And uh, the, so I, hopefully we're not facing those type of things, but we have to take those those measures. So uh, now I can get back to, but uh, especially in today's world, we could face, you know, immediate physical threats. Those immediate, like you keep your kids close to you when you're walking or you keep your, your wife or your, your loved one, your sister, whoever it is, you know, we're there and we're, we're going to protect those people, right? Because there's, we never know who's coming on the other side of the, Jen and I went out to, um, we were in um, Massachusetts and we went out to eat um, and the kids were back uh, in the room. We ordered them a pizza and we wanted to, to, to go out and uh, hit up a local barbecue place. And so we did. And as we're walking back to the car, we're seeing people that were uh, clearly under the influence uh, of heroin and uh, they, they are slumped over. And, you know, when, when somebody is in that, that state, uh, sometimes they'll stand up and they're sleeping standing up and, and they're, they're hunched over almost like zombie like, and it scared her so much that she's like running to the car. And I'm trying to explain to her, he's a long ways away and has no idea where we are and has no interest in standing up and running towards us and attacking us. She didn't care. She's like, get me in this car. Right. And, you know, and I'm telling her, you know, I'm, I'm never going to let something happen. I understand you you feel you know, that we need to be about that physical safety. But there's also things that we need to be aware of that can uh, injure people and that can be threats. Technology. We think of the, the technology. There's a threat. Uh, uh, you know, it's not only just out there, but it can be in our home. It can be in our pocket that we can carry the threat along with us. This instrument here can carry along uh, and, and present great threats to an adult mind, to a uh, teenage mind to a young kid's mind. There's a lot on there that typing the wrong things, uh, you know, can can bring up and and introduce a very like just grotesque uh, world that that we live in. There's a lot there that we're responsible for. Those things can victimize our children very discreetly. It is the responsibility of the parent or leadership in the church or us in our lives and those, those leadership roles that we're in to protect those that are, are around us. We have to be involved. We have to be vigilant. Our kids know uh, that, you know, hey, uh, you know, we, we, we don't normally, uh, you know, I don't grab my kid's phone, and, but we've, we've had the discussion and, and uh, that, hey, what's out there? No, you can't have this social media account. You can't because of this. And the kids understand they have to get to a certain age before they can get into those things because they, they have to grow. They have to uh, get to a point where they're old enough and they're wise enough and they understand enough that, okay, this is, uh, this is something that I've heard of or, or whatever. This is not going to be something that I'm partaking of and I'm going to separate myself from that. So we wouldn't let somebody wander physically into a place where they could be hurt. My uh, encouragement to you is, is to make sure that even these little ones here, that we're keeping them safe, uh, even virtually. 
hey, do your parents know you have their phone right now? Whatever, just even just something like that, it could be. Who, who knows? But uh, there's a responsibility. So my encouragement to any uh, who are uh, parents, don't give in to the pressures from those around us to not shelter your children. Have you looked at the world today? Have you read the news? My encouragement to you is shelter your kids. Shelter them. Put a protection over them. Does that mean lock them in the basement so they never have any type of interaction? No. But what that means is control the interactions that they have. We need to be mindful and to to be um, orchestrating, you know, where where our children are going, what they're doing, who they're around, what they're doing when they're around those people, all those things. Shelter them. You know, there are things and situations that their innocence you know, can't and should have to handle right now. Really. I saw a quote um, and uh, a friend of friend of ours had posted about Corey Ten Boom. And uh, she had a question about sex for her dad. And she was pretty young. And her dad seemed to it, it just kind of uh, ignore her. And they're riding on a train. And as they're getting off the train and everything, her dad asks her to grab his very heavy, he was, I think, a watch um, repair. He does something, something with repairs and he said can you carry that she's like dad this is really heavy and he said and he was explaining to her he used that uh that teaching uh opportunity to say that that's really heavy for you so is the discussion of what you were asking you're not ready for that yet you're not ready to carry you're not strong enough for that this isn't the time for us to have that discussion protect their minds right that's a godly response i mean that's quite a topic thankfully i've been able to leave that to my wife but my kids know we've had discussions, not only just the physical act of sex, but living properly and, and, and conducting ourselves different than the world. My kids understand those things. We've, we've been teaching them all along. Important to understand uh, that, and, and, to sh and to show this world that our kids are not for sale. Hamor and Shechem are like, hey, what do we need to pay to get her? No. This world comes with that type of opportunity. Not for sale. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. But their greed yeah. overrode their apparent wisdom. Mm -hmm. or, their flesh. Yeah. Yep. He he took from her. When you look at that word and 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 understand and you look at all those different things, you know, that he defiled her, that he violated her, that he raped her. I mean that's that's intense. That's as intense as it gets. That's the worst type of first uh, you know, a encounter that somebody lives that somebody could have with somebody to be sexually assaulted. It's awful. So I'll leave you with this. Be strong leaders in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our, uh, in our church. We have to be. You know, that integrity, that we'd stand in integrity of the Lord. James 1, now when you consider what these men did, so there, the first part regarding the parents and you know the responsibility 
uh, there. When you look at these guys, what they carried out, James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce God's righteousness. It doesn't. I would consider what happened here similar to what you'd see at the end of Judges, where it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That type of situation. This family's so messed up. There's still so much going on here. They're not listening to dad. Uh, you know, they're going about doing their own thing. They're fighting with their dad over what they've done and what he didn't do and all these things. You know, it's the, he's, he, his leadership is, is, is the problem here. They even used the sign of the covenant to manipulate the situation. You know, these men, their, their, their wrath did not produce God's righteousness, right? And, and uh, I would consider that they looked at this in their own eyes. This is the right thing to do. <clears throat> and so they go and they take the covenant and uh, they, that sign of the covenant manipulate it for the situation. In the end, uh, we see from Genesis 49, uh, Jacob, uh, how this affected Jacob in his life. Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7. Simeon and Levi are brothers, he says. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them into Jacob and scatter them in Israel. That's what Jacob had to say at the end of his life, within his last words, when he's talking about his children, is that they were instruments of cruelty, in their anger they they. A slew a man, cursed be their anger, for it is fierce and their wrath, for it is cruel. Those aren't good things to be said as like the last thing. What we see in the scriptures as we're going to progress here is that Simeon, uh, the tribe of Cinnamon, is a Cinnamon, Simeon uh, ends up uh, dissolving into Judah. And that Levi loses their personal inheritance and they become a priestly tribe and they don't get their own spot. Interestingly, in Exodus 32, they're found without compromise while many of uh, Israel were playing the harlot with a golden calf and uh, Levi wasn't involved in that. But they did lose the, the fact that they, you know, they don't have the, their own spot. So this is quite a dark story to read. There's a, there's a lot in here as you're taking it in. Very disturbing you know, to think, and this is the last mention of Dinah, you know, that, that poor young lady. You know, we don't know what happened from there. But we do know she had an unfortunate event and that this guy now wants to take her to make her his. And uh, his brothers weren't having any of it. And they've got their own, uh, you know, cruelty uh, and uh, where they, they get everybody to maim themselves. I mean, brilliant plan. You got to hand it to them. Brilliant plan. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. They weren't sent by God to do that. They weren't sent by their dad to do that. They did that on their own. No, I'd rather have the righteousness of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would uh, always uh, understand our responsibilities and that we would, uh, we would protect those around us and that we would uh, be mindful of the threats 
that are there and, and that we would uh, conduct ourselves to protect those around us. And Lord, that we would always remember that a wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God and that we would submit our will to yours and uh, let, let you deal with situations such as, uh, you know, that we would ne hopefully never have to deal with this, but that we would come to you and that you would lead us. Uh, as we would uh, you know, see any type of situation rather than trying to deal with it in our own wrath. So we praise you for your word. We thank you for it. Pray you be with us as we leave this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you.